I'm Carol Joy Side, and welcome to the Homeschool Made Simple podcast. You're listening to episode 151. This is a podcast to help you homeschool simply, inexpensively, and enjoyably. Well, I am sitting at my dining room table with an adopted grandson named Ellison, and I won't tell you his last name and we'll tell you why later, but he and his new wife, Betsy, are getting ready to head to the mission field and they're going to kind of be undercover agents for Jesus. And so we're trying to protect the people of that country and not be too detailed about the information um, they're going into. But in the meantime, Ellison, we're going to talk about your childhood. So welcome. Thank you so much, Auntie Carol. So as we've been chatting, you have been giving me great joy, telling me stories about your childhood and the sanctified imagination that was given scope in your childhood. And I'd love you to tell our listeners about some of those things that formed you. Yeah. For sure. Well, I think the first thing was that uh, we always had books in our house, mm-hmm. even um, when I was young, you know, and not able to read. My parents kept reading to us, yes. which was wonderful. Yes. Books on tape were huge for me. Yes. Um, and so I think what's what's neat about books and about books on tape is that, um, especially as a young boy, who I loved adventure. I loved seeing uh, different historical figures and hearing about their lives is that you want to then go live it. Mm. And so I think the best part about um, kind of a sanctified imagination and living in the realm of the imagination is you get to read those books and then you get to go pretend to be William Wallace if you like. You <laughs> know, right. um, So you only need you know some wood, a wooden sword and uh, something to wrap around your... someone to stab with Yeah, sword. there you go. Something, <laughs> something to, to, to act as a kilt. So yeah. then <laughs> that's all you need. Um, but uh, yeah, so I think that really for for me um, and for my family, uh, the, yeah, the imagination um, and the imaginative play kind of came out of books. Yes. Us. So there were six children, two yes. girls, and then four of you boys, and that's you're right. the second born. Mm-hmm. And, um, but life didn't always go as easily for you as it does for some children. Mm-hmm. What, what were some of the struggles that you faced and overcome? Yeah. So, um, for me, I had, uh, lots of kind of learning blocks or disabilities growing up, um, and mostly surrounding reading and writing. Uh, and my mom went to a lot of different conferences and, kind of figured out that for me, I was a really strong right brain thinker mm-hmm. who was having trouble crossing the left and right brain. Yes. Um, and so we did a lot of exercises to um, make that possible mm-hmm. for me. Um, and uh, my mom really went after that. So I'm really thankful she did. Because um, I think uh, if I had been in another system of learning, uh, I probably would have been pasted early as someone who would never be that intelligent or yes. grow into um, academia. Yeah, or, or just even someone who can think, mm-hmm. and, you know, and uh, think critically. Yeah. So I'm thankful that she did that. Yes. Yeah. She's quite a woman and she, she happens is. to be my dearest friend. So I, I adore her, as mm-hmm. you do. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes. um, but you went on to go to a tough, tough school, Wheaton College in yeah. Illinois. Mm-hmm. And what was that like with your learning challenges? Yeah, um, I think for when I was at Wheaton, uh, I was studying English Lit. 
um, which is not much of a surprise. And indicative. <laughs> it is, yeah. Of your family's it passion. It is, right. And I think almost every <laughs> one uh, in my family, including <laughs> the wife I married, studied English at some point in college. So yes. uh, that's kind of par for the course. There's a so, in your, I don't know why. So. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, but uh, I think that's, yeah, I mean, the, the learning disabilities were different there. I think that... Um, the breaking up actually of work was different for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like to do hy- kind of a hyper focus yeah. system when I read or when I do other things yeah. um, that relate to learning. And so uh, it was actually hard to only have like a 45 minute class period or an hour and 15 minute class period. It just felt short. Yes. Uh, I didn't feel like we could really delve into um, yeah deeper things. But I think I was always a kind of a, an enigma to my. Uh, teachers and my professor just because I would be great in class mm-hmm. but then I was I mean I I was always that kid like that ran in with like a half-eaten bagel in my mouth with <laughs> sheafs of paper like flying everywhere and was always five minutes late um and so but you were the kid that was most engaged with the professor of anyone in the room sure yeah yeah <laughs> and I loved discussion based mm-hmm. um time learning. And, and learning and so uh, that was always great, but then I would also be later on my assignments or yes. things like that, and so um, which probably related more to my learning blocks. Yes. Uh, and so, yeah, I think also for me, um, I had grown such a love for self education, um, and had seen the benefits in my life in so many different ways mm-hmm. that uh, when we got to these literature classes, for me, I was kind of looking at the book list and being like, oh, I feel like I could probably read these on my own Mm -hmm. and you don't have the same discussion Mm -hmm. um based times but i think lord willing we can rebuild those times and rebuild those places for people to discuss books and Mm -hmm. ideas Mm -hmm. um yeah we just need the neighborhood pub to come back i think so uh (laughs) yeah so that's kind of was my experience at college and then i ended up actually leaving after my freshman year Mm -hmm. um and we're going to talk about that when yeah. we bring Betsy in okay. because that's part of both of your stories, I think. Mm-hmm. But, Allison, you had an incredibly rich home life, but were there any things you would have changed in your academic pursuits and, you know, the the way you were educated? Any changes? Yeah, yeah I mean, I think so many things were so wonderful, yeah. you know, and I love to talk about those things. I mean, the the reading of great books was huge. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the, yeah, the opening of whole worlds that happens when you read a book. Um, and then, you know, I think when you read one book, it can kind of spider into out another. into another book or another subject. Yes. Um, and so that's what I'm so thankful for. I think for me, I learned a lot through experience. Mm-hmm. And so the different experiences I got, even in high school, were wonderful. I got to live in Brazil for a year, mm. um, which was wonderful. Um, and... Got to travel with my dad some. And so I think getting cross-cultural experiences and just getting different life experiences yes. um, that were inside the home and outside the home are something that I was so grateful for. And I, I think looking back, I would have even loved that a little bit more. Because yes. I think for you know homeschool um, boys, mm-hmm. when you reach a certain age, it does get really difficult to be just in the home. That's right. They're um, ready for adventure. Right, right. And they're ready to sink their teeth into something that's very real yes, and feel true. like they're contributing to um, building something that's yes. important that will last. 
And that brings me to something we, were, we haven't thought about talking about, but I want to talk about, and yeah. that is the, the power of wilderness and mm. how that affected your life as it affected my sons and now my granddaughters. And so you were yeah. raised doing what? Outside all the time. <laughs> Outside all the time. And yeah. you went to camp where? Honey Rock. Yeah. So yeah. talk about that. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, I was happiest outside. Mm-hmm. All I always wanted to be outside, and my parents did give me a lot of freedom there, so I'm really thankful for that. I mean, I think I got my first Red Rider BB gun when I was like eight, <laughs> uh, a hatchet when I was probably seven or eight, and so, and then it was just the world opens up to you, right? I mean, what else do you need as a seven or eight year old boy? Uh, Red Rider BB gun and a hatchet and the great outdoors. And so, um, so yeah, I used to love to plan to sleep outside. <laughs> would be wildly uncomfortable, um, but wildly happy simultaneously. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, growing up, went to Honey Rock, was able to do the wilderness trips and canoeing kind of became my passion there. And so whitewater canoeing, things like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, just the vibrancy of nature and um, yeah, the, the way that it gives you space to think, yes. uh, especially in such a oversaturated yes. life and world that we live in today. Um, with so many messages and uh, too many bright lights, mm-hmm. it's great to get out into the wilderness and have natural light mm-hmm. and uh, I think reconnect with even the basic processes of life. Like, you know, you have to light a fire to make food. That's right. um, and that's, I think, a beautiful thing. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I wish I could spend even more time in the wilderness than I do even now because mm-hmm. um, I think that that green therapy is really huge. Do you need fresh encouragement for homeschooling? One of the best ways to be refreshed on your journey is to attend one of my in-person seminars. Chrissy recently commented, I went to your seminars 12 and 13 years ago, and it was hands down one of the most impactful and fruitful things I did for all of homeschooling. You gave me action steps for convictions the Lord had already instilled in me, the grace and margin for it to look like it needed to for our family. And you gave me book lists that were gold. My son and I will be in Eden Prairie, Minnesota on Saturday, April 29th, teaching a literature-based approach to education. Early bird registration is now open, which means it's only $55 to attend the in-person seminar, rub shoulders with like-minded families, hear from seasoned homeschooling parents, and have access to a seminar-exclusive book sale. You don't want to miss it. Click the link in the show notes or register on my website, caroljoyside.com forward slash upcoming hyphen seminars. Now back to the show. Yes, and and in my seminars, I talk about the power of wilderness to heal people with learning disabilities and people with mental illness, people Mm -hmm. that are terminally ill. Um, The wilderness is, um, well, a man, Richard Love, wrote a book called Vitamin N for Nature. Wow. And he just talks about the power of, of the healing mm-hmm. of wilderness. So for those who are listening, Honey Rock is what? Honey Rock is a outdoor center for leadership development. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's who, really focused on... Who owns on, it? Um, Wheaton College owns it. So it's it's technically, it's, it has a connection with Wheaton College. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, they, it's kind of used as a 
leadership growth laboratory. Mm-hmm. And so it really is focused on the campers, but it's also focused on uh, the counselors and kind of creating a leadership pipeline yes. uh, for people to learn how to be outdoors mm-hmm. and how to uh, deal with kids and, and be in ministry mm-hmm. in a unique way. Yes. So. And it was super formative in my son's life, mm-hmm. and he was an instructor there. Yeah. And so I, there's a thread here of a um, lot of freedom, being let to run free mm. and wild, but then also coming into that structure of leadership development through wilderness training. Exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's huge. It is huge. I'm yeah. so glad you had that opportunity. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And for me, I think even when I, uh, my senior year of high school was very school heavy. And as soon as I finished that senior year, for me, the, mm-hmm. the thing I wanted to do was get outside. Yes. And so I ended up getting a job in South Dakota, which was just the best. Mm. <laughs> it's the best. What did you do there? Um, you know, I kind of developed a run for a love for running. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so that's kind of, I did a lot of running, a lot of hiking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was a different season of my life. So I definitely did some things I probably wouldn't do these days, just yeah. as far as yeah. uh, most of my running, I would start at like 11 p.m. Wow. And then I'd finish around like two or three in the morning. Wow. And so I just go run outside at night and it was wonderful. Oh, I love being outside under the stars yeah. and riding bikes. It is beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Seeing like we got to see a lot of wildlife, mm. got encounters with rattlesnakes and, you know, the stories of like little britches and yes. all those people that yes. go out west. Mm-hmm. I think it was just great to get a taste of that. Yes. And I loved it. And so, yeah. Yes. So anything you would have changed about your educational yeah. technology? I mean, I think, um, I think for me, I just so valued uh, living a good story. Mm-hmm. And I think that as uh, I got older and as I kept reading great books, I think that I wanted to combine really um, the knowledge that's been accumulated for so long, you know, and the stories that uh, make up our history. Um, and also just the love for adventure and the love for being outdoors, uh, kind of put those things together. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think one thing I probably would change is just more time to, uh, yeah, to jump into the flow of experiencing different things in life um, and allowing those things to unfold um, and I'm so thankful to the Lord. I did get so many of those opportunities to experience different things. Mm-hmm. Um, and to, uh, to kind of have, I always loved Mark Twain growing up. And so to, you know, I always loved hearing the different jobs he worked, the different places mm-hmm. that he went. Um, and I think that for me, I wish I'd had even more of that, mm-hmm. um, more of kind of just a Mark Twain Experiential learning. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. um, kind of living on the edge yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, and I think that uh, survival. Yeah, and I think building, um, building things, and building things that last. And so for, for me, I think what was so captivating was being part of a church uh, that was alive, mm-hmm. which is sometimes unique these days. Yes, but a church that was alive. Yes, it, it really <laughs> invites you into a larger world mm-hmm. where you say to yourself, "I can really." I could really be a part of this. That's this is right. worth being a part of. It's so much bigger than I am. Mm. This is something that I could put all of my time, mm. all of my energy, all my strength towards. Yes. Um, and I think that the family is the little church, the first church. Yes. In a way, you're also committing to that. And so I think that, um, yeah, I think that for young men, as they're 
getting older and I'm still, I'm still a young man. <laughs> so I'm speaking to myself right now as well. But, uh, as, as you're getting older, and I mean, it, even starting at like 15, mm-hmm. um, you have that desire to, to do something that matters, to do something that counts mm-hmm. and to sacrifice for something larger than yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think all over the world, there are guys that age who actually start getting involved in world events. They yes. start getting involved in life, you know, stories. Yes. Um, and they're not playing video games all the time. They're That's out, for sure. They're out impacting mm-hmm. other people's lives and becoming sacrificial and mm-hmm. learning that that yeah. rhythm of sacrifice. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. So I don't know where I, don't know where well, I was going and, with that. But. And <laughs> being raised in your church, you partic- participated in something called the Easter Vigil yeah. for quite a, quite a few years. Mm-hmm. And talk a little bit about how that developed and grew you. Yeah, yeah. Um, what is an Easter vigil? An Easter vigil uh, is a service that leads up to Easter Sunday. Mm-hmm. And um, historically, it would go all night long. Mm-hmm. So our church recently started doing that. Um, and yeah, it's really what it is, is recounting God's saving deeds yes. throughout history. Yes. And so you reenact or um, bring to life different biblical stories. Mm-hmm. Um, Starting with? Starting with creation, Genesis right. and creation, yeah, and, and so Noah and, right, and then you can do the fall. Red you've got sea. the Noah's, yeah, the Ark. You got the Red Sea, yeah, and then you've got prophets and things that follow. Um, then it always ends up with Zephaniah, my uh, favorite part. Yes, the gathering of God's people. Yes. Um, and so I think that also, yeah, kind of does the same thing we were talking about before. It's really bringing biblical stories into the imaginative realm. Yes. Of what would have been like to be there, what yes. would have been like to experience mm-hmm. this yourself, and they weren't just the typical Sunday school play. Right. As someone who I brought to one of the vigils said, <clears throat> it's kind of like a Christian blue man group. <laughs> so it's incredibly creative, uh-huh. very minimalistic. It yeah. isn't elaborate props. It's not like a big production like some churches. It's a very artsy, edgy way yeah. of representing those stories with mm-hmm. sanctified imagination yeah 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 it, that's very true mm-hmm. so you sang in several of those productions tell us about some of yeah. the things you did um yeah the wonderful thing i think about uh the easter vigil is that the the end result is always glorifying to the lord Amen. and that's amazing um, but depending on different years, sometimes you're lower on personnel. That's right. And so, uh, and my mom was often directing it. And so sometimes I got probably pulled into <laughs> roles that I didn't belong in, but, but the I Lord worked, the Lord worked through that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I did Ezekiel once, um, the Valley of the Dry Bones. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. The recitation of that. The recitation of that. Yeah. Yep. And the acting of that, I was in... Three Men in the Fire. Yes. Um, so that's the story of... Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And, yep, Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, <laughs> I'm trying to remember with the other ones. <laughs> oh, Abraham and Isaac. Oh, that's right. yes. My wonderful wife fab- was reminding me. Yeah, Abraham she's queuing us off the air yeah, here. she is. <laughs> Abraham and Isaac. That was a brilliant one. It was. I got to do it with my dad, which was yeah. really sweet. Oh, that was incredible. Yeah, yeah. it was. So... Yeah. Yeah. And how did that as a kid make you feel? I mean, there's thousands of people yeah. watching this, you know, you can't, you know, goof up or, you know, the pressure's on. Sure. But there's mm-hmm. also this sense of you're being called into your manhood into mm. 
giving a lot, you're being given a lot of um, responsibility mm. and people are believing in you. Right. How did that affect you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, there's there's an amazing role for, I think, young people in the church. Mm-hmm. And um, yes. I think it really honored, um, yeah, what a really young kid who, you know, who doesn't have as many experiences or isn't as mature as other people mm-hmm. to, to be able to speak the words of God to God's people mm-hmm. and to take on that role as an ambassador. And in a way, it's a really prophetic role yes. in the church because you're speaking God's word to God's people. Yes. Um, and so I think to be given that, that mantle of responsibility, it can feel really heavy. And I think that I did feel that multiple times uh, when I was a part of the Easter Vigil. I remember when I was... The first time that I went through and recited the whole of Dry Bones, I ended up actually just crying for about an hour, or probably about half an hour, but felt like an hour, um, <laughs> what, just in rehearsal, because it, it just struck me what that um, message was saying, yes. and how I, even just as a young guy, without a full understanding of what it means to be a dry bone, I still, I think, was able to see, wow, this, this is a word of new life and a word of resurrection that our church needs. Um, and during, during that, uh, recitation, I was also just reminded of an experience I had had, um, in Nigeria with my dad, um, in which, uh, I, (laughs) they, they wonderfully, um, asked me to get up and speak in front of, uh, these, this group of, uh, orphans. And I just remember the same, as I was giving that Valley of the Dry Bones, um, recitation, I was just reminded there are different faces in that moment and started praying for them in that moment. And so I think there's so much, um, it's such a hard line to walk where you don't want to overwhelm, you know, anyone as a, as they're growing up, but also they're able to take on really meaningful things. And I'm so thankful I got the opportunity to take on meaningful things. Yes. Um, and to try to carry them along with adults. And that was part of your calling into your manhood. Yeah, it was. Really it was formative. Mm-hmm. And traveling with your dad on mission in mm-hmm. really hard places. Yeah. You weren't like staying in holiday inns. And I mean, these things have shaped you and made you yeah. the man you are. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to close this out because our next podcast we're going to be doing with your bride. Yes. So we're going to get set up with her in a moment. So mm-hmm. thank you, listeners, for joining me this week on the Homeschool Made Simple podcast. I love to help families homeschool simply, inexpensively, and enjoyably. When you help me get the word out about what I'm doing here, I appreciate it so much. Until next time, remember, Jesus' commandments are not burdensome. What he calls you to do, he will enable you to do. Blessings.